your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 632 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, and that song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today, we're going to kind of pick up where we left off yesterday, or at least part of what we did in our last episode, and that is trying to figure out what the Rangers will do with their first pick in the 2022 NHL Draft. Their first pick is, of course, the third to last pick in the second round, which is number 63 overall. And obviously, the deeper you get into drafts, the more difficult it is to know you know, who's going to be there and what these teams might be thinking in terms of who they might be interested in. But we're going to do our best here, really zero in on that number 63 overall pick, since that is the first pick for the Rangers this next season. And we're going to look at three different players that I think could be and should be targets for the New York Rangers at number 63 overall. And Again, we started this series in our last episode, episode 631. In that episode, we predominantly talked about Mark Shifley and the idea of the Rangers potentially trading for him. But toward the end of that episode, we also discussed uh, one of the draft prospects this year that I like at number 63 that could be available at number 63, and that was Bryce McConnell Barker. So you can go back and listen to that episode if you want our thoughts on him. Uh, But for today, I want to run through three more players that I think could be Good fits for the Rangers at number 63 in the draft. And then the other thing I want to do, we'll end today's episode with this. We're going to revisit a countdown that I did uh, right at the height of the pandemic. What I basically did was I took a look at every single playoff overtime goal the Rangers have scored since 1994, and I just kind of ranked them and reflected on all of them. Well, we got another uh, playoff overtime goal to add to the list, and that's Artemi Panarin. So I'm basically just going to, I mean, I'm not going to go through the whole list all over again, obviously, but we're going to re-rank the list, and I'm going to decide where Artemi Panarin's Game 7 winner against the Penguins belongs on that list. But yes, uh, we're going to go ahead and start, like I said, with a couple of uh, prospects that, or draft prospects, rather, that I think the Rangers uh, could look to draft at number 63 overall. And somebody that I'm going to start with here is Topi Rani uh, Liga. He's a center and six foot one, 181 pounds, lefty shot, played for Tapera. And with Rani, he's somebody who, first of all, has got good size, you know, six foot two, 181 pounds, uh, by all accounts, very strong on the puck. And is considered, you know, a really good passer. That's one of the things that really stands out the more you read about this kid and, uh, you know, the positives and the negatives and things to like and the areas where he needs improvement. It seems like just about everybody seems to think that, you know, he's a pretty good passer and, you know, a good playmaker and somebody that, you know, obviously uh, could potentially be a middle six forward on an NHL roster. And as far as what he's done recently, 21 games with the Finland under-18 international junior team this past year. He scored five goals and had 15 assists. He was a plus three in that time, so 20 points in 21 games. It's also worth mentioning that he made Finland's World Juniors team in 2021-2022. Skated in six games there, scored two goals, dished out two assists, and was a plus one in those games as well. And 
something else, you know, he's got that size and speed combination that's always so intriguing and never all that easy to find, but it sounds like, you know, he does have both of those attributes. Uh, it does sound like one of the knocks on him is that uh, he doesn't always necessarily use his size to his advantage, or at least not as much as he could, you know, given uh, his sizable frame. And as a result of that, doesn't always use his size to maintain possession of the puck and or win 50-50 pucks, at least not as much as he could. Once again, that's just what I'm gathering, you know, everything that I've read about him so far. I'll leave you guys with a couple of scouting reports as it pertains to Ronnie. You've got this one coming from Draft in Europe. Uh, has legit size and skating ability and the will to contribute in all areas. Good passing game. And then we got another one here from Dollar Prospects. Decent frame center who brings pace and intensity, solid playmaking, and two-way play. Needs to improve his manipulation, deceptiveness, and physical game, but shows middle six upside. And then one more scouting report. This one comes to us from Brandon Holmes of FC Hockey. He owns above-average size and a prototypical NHL-style frame and moves well for a player of that size, displaying smoothness on his edges throughout this game while also having above-average straight-line speed. And so again, Topi Ronnie, just somebody that, you know, I think could be a good fit for the Rangers at that pick. He plays center, which is obviously a position where, you know, the Rangers are always looking to improve there. They've got a pretty big vacancy on their second line right now, not that you know, anybody they draft is going to be on the opening night roster centering the second line, but you get the idea. Uh, good centers are hard to come by, and so obviously, you know, the Rangers being a little bit thin there probably behooves them to uh, at least take a look at some of these centers available in the draft, or we get to another center that might be available in the second round in just a second. But first, I just want to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing coconut brownie chunk built bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built have given coconut brownie chunk the puffs treatment. That's right. The coconut brownie chunk built bar flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. All built bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. The best part about puffs is, of course, they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt-free because they are actually good for you. Delicious coconut, rich sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Stop fantasizing. Get to Built.com to order your box of coconut brownie chunk built puffs right now. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. I just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. The NHL draft is right around the corner, and our team of local hosts and draft experts are breaking it down with insights and analysis for every first-round pick. Subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers on YouTube for all the latest breakdowns on the NHL draft and more. All right, so keeping with the theme of the Rangers potentially targeting a center at number 63 overall, we're going to take a look at... David Goyette, a center of the Sudbury Wolves of the OHL, 18 years old. And let me just get this out of the way first. Of the three players that we're going to spotlight today, I would say that Goyette, 
uh, probably has the best chance of no longer being available when the Rangers pick at number 63. You know, I'm looking at a couple of different rankings here and seeing where everybody has him, you know, as far as where he ranks among this draft class. And he's most commonly projected to go somewhere between number 45 and number 60. So it might be just a little bit too late for the Rangers. Again, they pick at number 63. Not sure if they would consider trading up a couple of spots to get somebody like Goyette or if they even uh, like him in general. Uh, or maybe they just get lucky and he's still there if he indeed is one of their targets and he's still there at number 63 overall. Like I said, there's a decent chance he will no longer be there, but there's a lot to like there and I want to include him just in case he is still available there and just in case the Rangers do happen to be in on him and he's a player that they might like, which is certainly possible because for starters, this kid produces offense. I mean, last year was his first in the OHL, skated in 66 games, but he had 33 goals and 40 assists. So he had 73 points in 66 games, was also a minus six in that time. And he also appeared on Canada's World Juniors team, four games, one goal, one assist. And he actually, uh, fun note here as far as, uh, you know, his role with his OHL team, that being the Sudbury Wolves, he actually replaced the departed Quinton Byfield, who of course was the second overall pick in 2020 after Alexi Lafreniere. He replaced Byfield on the top line and clearly didn't feel any pressure because he just basically killed it. And like I said, was more than a point per game this past season in the OHL. And I must call some attention to what he did in 2019-2020 with his under-15 AAA team. Now, of course, obviously, that's a long time ago. And, you know, anybody that becomes a true bonafide NHL draft prospect, there's a very good chance that when you were under 15, you were probably dominating. But these numbers, I don't care what league it's in, they're worth mentioning. They're worth basically just marveling at. Uh, he was playing with Selects Academy, 65 games, 49 goals, and 104 assists. So uh, Goyette that year, 153 points in just 65 games. Uh, again, it, it's not, you know, any uh, high level of hockey, but any kind of production like that at any level, certainly worth pointing out and certainly very, very impressive. Something else to know about uh, Goyette is the simple fact that the 2020-2021 OHL season did not happen due to COVID concerns. So he's had to overcome that along with everybody else playing in the OHL that year, but certainly just worth pointing out that he lost, you know, a season of OHL uh, play there with there not being a season in 2020-2021. But it doesn't really seem to have affected him that much. And as far as what I can gather, what I'm reading about him, very creative when he's got the puck on his stick. You know, just makes some good moves and very elusive. Strong skater, has some big-time puck skills. Uh, apparently, he is not known as being the best defensive center in the world, and he does struggle a little bit with just his general consistency. Now, struggling with consistency doesn't really concern me that much when we're talking about somebody who's 18 years old. That kind of comes with the territory. Not always, but a lot of times when you're young, uh, that's one of the last couple of things that you might be missing. It's just that game-to-game, shift-to-shift consistency. That's something that I think, you know, whether it's whether we're talking about Goyette or whether we're talking about anybody else, uh, that's something that you can develop over time. And uh, hopefully that would be the case with him if the Rangers happen to draft him. Uh, leave you guys with a couple of scouting reports as it pertains to Goyette. This one comes to us from Joseph Along of FC Hockey. It's clear when watching him that Goyette possesses the tools to be a prolific scorer in the OHL as his constant movement and impressive skills with the puck make him a player that brings fans out of their seats on a regular basis. However, only partially through his first season, Goyette will need to show off his talent consistently to stand out among a stacked double rookie class 
in Ontario. And then this one comes to us from Corey Pronman of The Athletic. Goyette displays good creativity off the rush and can make tough plays with pace. His work ethic is up and down for me. Some days I find him too much of a perimeter player, and on others I see him engaged in battles and being a factor on the ice consistently. He's so talented that I think he'll find a way to become a top nine forward, likely on the wing, but I think he will frustrate coaches along the way. And so that little bit of a mixed bag there for Mr. Pronman, but uh, that kind of goes back to what we were talking about. Maybe the game-to-game shift-to-shift consistency simply is not there, at least not yet for Goyette. But again, when you're 18, that doesn't concern me as much as, uh, you know, say like a 28-year-old who's very inconsistent game-to-game and shift-to-shift. When you're that young, I think that can eventually, uh, you know, develop over time. And then we've got one other player that I wanted to look at for today as far as the number 63 overall pick in the draft is concerned and somebody that I think uh, could be a target for the Rangers. We're mostly going to be looking at centers, you know, obviously today and then also uh, going forward. You know, we got a couple more days before the draft here. Going to spotlight a couple other players as well. But I did want to focus on at least one right winger. I really do think it should be a center or a right winger that the Rangers take with this pick. That's where they're thin. And I know that, you know, sometimes people think, well, just take the best player available. You never know what your roster is going to look like when a certain player makes his debut. But when you look at the Ranger roster right now and you look at how loaded they are in left wing, you look at how loaded they are at defenseman, and you look at the fact that you have Igor Shesterkin as your goalie, to me, that leaves center and right wing. Those are the two positions, everything else being equal, that you should be looking at the most. And we've got a right winger here, and that would be Devin Kaplan, 18 years old, uh, righty shot, six foot three, 198 pounds. He will be playing at Boston College in 2022-2023. He's played several seasons for the U.S. national team, both the under-17 team and the under-18 team. Most recently in 2021-2022, Kaplan skated in 53 games, basically just lit up the score sheet. He had 13 goals and 25 assists for 38 points in 53 games, had a really strong showing for himself on the U.S. under-18 World Juniors team as well, skated in six games there, scored one goal, dished out five assists in six games, and also helped the United States win the silver medal. And among the 10 publications that are currently in front of me on this webpage here, they have Kaplan ranked anywhere from number 36, he's ranked number 36 by Smart Scouting, to number 115 by Draft Prospects Hockey. So a little bit of a wide range there, but of these 10 publications, like I said, seven of them have him ranked somewhere in the 60s. So he's probably going to be there when the Rangers pick. Obviously, there are no guarantees, but I do like the idea of the Rangers potentially looking at a right winger and, uh, you know, somebody that can hopefully, you know, at least be a middle six forward for the Rangers at some point in the future here. You know, you look at the right wing situation, And I've discussed this in the past with the Rangers, but it's very, there's a wide range of outcomes because you've got Capo Caco, you've got Vitaly Krasov, you've got Sammy Blay, you've got maybe Alexi Lafreniere could play the right wing. There's a lot of different ways that that could shake out. And, you know, a lot of these players have upside, but a lot of them have some question marks as well. In fact, I think what I just said applies to pretty much every single player that I mentioned. Lafreniere, I think is... uh, you know, he might end up staying on the left wing. He might go to the right wing. We can at least have him in the conversation. And he's probably uh, the best bet of any of those players that I just mentioned. But even so, I'm not so sure the Rangers are quite as deep at right wing as a lot of people seem to believe that they are, uh, especially when you consider Kako has an uncertain future. Kravtsov has an uncertain future. Blay is a UFA after this season ends. Uh, you know, there's no guarantees there. So right wing is a position that I think the Rangers could look to target. Uh, the size definitely stands out when you're talking about Kaplan, though. 
Again, six foot three, 198 pounds. And you know, we were talking about Goyette a minute ago, and one of the knocks on him is that he doesn't really take advantage of his size and his strength. Uh, that's not the case with Kaplan at all. Kaplan has the reputation of playing a very physical game, throws his body around, finishes all of his checks along the boards, kind of a beast on the four check as well. I'm also gathering that he's one of those players that just kind of wills himself to those high danger areas, has a good shot. Uh, there's times where he can be a little bit pass happy, so he'll basically fit right in with the Rangers. Um, but, you know, I, I guess if that's the worst thing you can say about somebody, that they're a little bit pass happy, not the worst thing in the world. Uh, also has a reputation of being a strong defensive player as well. Not necessarily the best skater, however, and uh, has drawn a couple of comparisons to Nito Niederreiter of the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, somebody that projects as a middle six player, could put up 20 goals, be a solid defensive player overall. So uh, we'll see if the Rangers have any interest in Kaplan. And I'll leave you guys with a couple of scouting reports because these are people that obviously break down all this film. They do this for a living. They know what they're doing. Very, very good at what they do. This one comes to us from Douglas Larson of FC Hockey. Kaplan has a rare combination of size, speed, and skill that makes him a real interesting prospect. I think he's equally got all three of those incorporated in his game, and I wouldn't say one stands out to me above the rest. He has quick feet and is surprisingly very mobile on the ice for his size. And then uh, we'll do one more here. This one comes to us from Zach Sueres of Dabber Prospects. Apologize if I'm botching the name there, uh, but this is what he had to say about Kaplan. At times, Kaplan compensates for his lack of foot speed by positioning himself to be the trailer on an offensive fast break. Another strong area of Kaplan's game is in the trenches. With his big frame, he invites competition along the boards and outmuscles opponents for contested pucks. Once he wins those battles, he often looks to start the cycle to provide his teammates scoring opportunities. The next area of focus in Kaplan's game is his defensive game. This is an area where Kaplan shines as he is not afraid of being aggressive, whether it is in his own end or on the forecheck. When defending in his own zone, he uses an active stick to take away passing lanes and strip the puck from the opposition. So yeah, like I said, a couple of scouting reports just kind of give you guys an idea of, you know, who these players are. Kaplan is somebody that certainly intrigues me. I think of everybody that I just mentioned, I would have to say David Goyette is probably my favorite, but again, I remain skeptical that he's going to be there uh, when the Rangers do pick at number 63 overall, but we'll see. You never know how these drafts are going to shake out. I'm sure we're in for at least a couple of surprises, a couple of twists and turns, and, uh, We'll see. We'll see what the Rangers end up doing. And like I said, in tomorrow's episode, we will uh, take a look at a couple of other players that I think could be good fits for the New York Rangers. Uh, today, we're going to wrap up by re-ranking, or not re-ranking, but you know, determining where Artemi Panarin's Game 7 overtime winner against the Pittsburgh Penguins ranks on the list of, once again, uh, Ranger playoff overtime goals since 1994. We will get to that in just a second. But first, just want to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse just so happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. 
write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, so like I said, I'm going to go ahead and rank Artemi Panarin's Game 7 overtime winner against the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first round this season. Going to put this into our original list, you know, back in, I checked it, it was actually episodes 107 and 108, so we're going back quite some time and quite a couple of years here. But like I said, what I did then, it was a two-part episode. I ranked all 17 Ranger playoff overtime goals that they have scored from 1994 to current day. And with Artemi Panarin, given the fact that this is Game 7, given the fact that it's against the Pittsburgh Penguins, who nobody likes, given the fact that, you know, obviously your season is on the line here, and given the fact that the Rangers ended up going on a pretty nice run for themselves, you know, winning the next round and pushing the Lightning at least to six games and at least having a chance in the Eastern Conference Final, this Artemi Panarin goal, this is always going to rank pretty high up there. But to kind of take you guys back to the original uh, ranking, and what I'm going to do in this episode description, you will find links to those two episodes. It's a great listen if you want to just uh, you know go ahead and relive some awesome memories, some really cool playoff moments for the New York Rangers over the season. They're both very evergreen episodes because we're talking about you know playoff overtime goals. That's obviously not going to change over the years. But like I said, I knew right away as soon as uh, Breadman scored this goal here that this was going to rank pretty high in the list. And to kind of just, uh, you know, give you guys a frame of reference here, number three on our list, and again, there were 17, 17 Ranger playoff overtime goals since 1994. It's now up to 18. But when we did this ranking a couple of years ago, number three on our list was Marty St. Louis scoring in overtime in game four in Madison Square Garden against the Montreal Canadiens. That goal uh, led to the Rangers, or result in the Rangers, uh, taking a 3-1 to series lead against the Montreal Canadiens, and they went on to win that series in six games. It's obviously a big goal because, you know, the Rangers had lost game three in Madison Square Garden, so the Canadiens were back in the series, down two games to one. Uh, the Rangers really needed to win that game to, to maintain their grip on the series, which they did, and it was all made possible, once again, by this excellent goal by Martin St. Louis. Uh, did not leave the zone, and, you know, Haglin was there. They eventually worked the puck over to St. Louis, and he roofed it from a really tough angle. So that was our number three. Our number two was Derek Stepan scoring in Game 7 of the Rangers' second-round series against the Washington Capitals back in 2015. Uh, he scores off of a rebound. I believe, was it McDonough or Girardi? I always get mixed up on this without looking back. I want to say... I want to say it was McDonough, but it was definitely one of those two. Shot the puck at the net, and Stepan was there, and he buried the rebound and sent the Rangers to the Eastern Conference Final, where they eventually lost to the Lightning. And then number one, I mean, what else could it possibly be? It's Stefan Matteau in Game 7 in overtime against the New Jersey Devils in 1994. You guys know what I'm talking about. Even newer Ranger fans and people who weren't even around to see that happen or were too young to remember it, by now, you pretty much know the story. Matto, 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 one of the most iconic hockey calls of all time. It's going to certainly stand the test of time. Uh, Stefan Matteau coming through as the unlikely hero for the New York Rangers in that double overtime period does not get any bigger than that. And honestly, I don't think anything will ever top that number one goal as far as Ranger playoff overtime winners. I mean, the Rangers would have to like win the Stanley Cup in game seven in overtime or like maybe win game six in the Stanley Cup final in overtime to stave off elimination and then go on to win game seven. It would have to be something just ridiculously dramatic. So I don't think anything is ever going to top that. But I had a decision to make here. I was basically torn between putting this Panarin goal at number two or at number three. I didn't know whether to put it in front of the Derek Stepan goal or just behind it. 
I'm going to actually put it ahead of Derek Stepan and make this a number two goal. Now, maybe part of this is recency bias. Maybe part of this is the fact that Locked on New York Rangers now exists, and I get to come on here and, and talk about all these exciting moments with you guys. So there could be some of that going on as well here uh, as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for me, Artemi Panera, I mean, when you think about everything that happened in this series, the Rangers were down three games to one just as they were against the Capitals when Derek Stepan scored. But the Rangers were down three games to one to the Pittsburgh Penguins. This series was just so nasty between the two teams. You really get a sense that these two teams absolutely despise each other. That was on full display pretty much throughout the entire regular season. You add in the fact that this is one of the most emotionally charged series as far as the fan bases were concerned. This is something that I tweeted out after game two. Uh, the Rangers won game two in that series to tie the series at one game apiece. But you can kind of understand why this series just felt really intense among the fan bases. For the Penguins, I would imagine it's probably because this might be the last run that Crosby and Malkin and Latang all get to make together. You know, Latang and Malkin, both unrestricted free agents. We'll see what happens there. But it could have been their last shot at it. So obviously, Penguin fans want to see that group go on at least one more run together. And for Ranger fans, I know I'm not alone here when I say that uh, this team was just so disrespected this season by fans around the league, by media members, by everybody at ESPN, basically everyone. And so for Ranger fans, I think you really wanted this series win. I mean, first of all, you're still alive and you're still in the Stanley Cup playoffs and you still have a chance to win a Stanley Cup. But I think more so than anything, Ranger fans really wanted this series win because it would kind of just validate them. It would validate the fact that, yes, this is a good team. Yes, this team is ready for prime time. And uh, yes, they are a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. And yes, they can knock out a playoff-tested team and a good team such as the Pittsburgh Penguins and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. And the Rangers obviously did exactly that, thanks to Artemi Panarin scoring in overtime. Then, of course, they went on to take down the Carolina Hurricanes as well, which to me only boosts uh, this, this ranking. The fact that they went on and won their next series as well and kept this run going even longer... As far as the play itself, we'll get to the play actually in just a second. Uh, I do have to give some props to Keandre Miller. He made an outstanding play. The Penguins had just gained the Rangers zone, and Miller poked the puck away, knocked it into the neutral zone, and then won the race to the loose puck, uh, was along the boards, and then just powered his way to the net. The Penguins had no choice but to, you know, kind of take him down. I think they it was either holding or hooking, you know, one of those. Uh, either way, you knew that a penalty was going to be called there, even against the Penguins. So you know it was blatant. Um, so, uh, the Rangers, you know, obviously they're on the power play there. The power play is winding down, you know, a couple of chances, but just weren't able to score. And then there was a play stoppage and the Rangers very wisely used their timeout a to draw something up and B and probably more importantly to allow that top power play unit to catch its collective breath, go back out there, kind of regroup and get one last shot at it. And when Panarin scored on the uh, power play, there was only maybe about 15 seconds or so remaining in the man advantage, but you had Mika passing across the ice to Panarin, uh, Panarin, you know, received the puck off the boards and then made a, a nice move, you know, just kind of got the defender off of him, created some separation, passed back to Fox. Fox was near the blue line. Fox then pretty quickly dished back to Panarin. Panarin had a little bit of space in front of him at this point and took advantage of it, started moving toward the net and then just flicked it at the twine and uh, it went in and everybody goes nuts. Madison Square Garden absolutely erupts. You get that amazing Sam Rosen call. And you know, we talked about 94. I don't know if he'll ever be able to top. The waiting is over. The New York Rangers are the Stanley Cup champions. And this one will last a lifetime. But this one came pretty close. This one wasn't quite as, uh, you know, elaborate, I guess would be the word. But 
it just was very effective in its simplicity. You know, Panarin scores that goal, and it's just Rangers, Rangers, Rangers win. And it was just so cool to see uh, the entire team pour onto the ice. You got Mika, you know, he mobbed Panarin. He was one of the first couple of guys there. I think Mott was pretty quick getting there. And uh, just, you know, everybody's celebrating in the corner. Igor Shosturkin went over, and, you know, I, I think he got Panarin's attention. Then Igor did a little leg kick. You know, obviously, that's uh, the bread man's typical celebration. So that was cool to see. Just awesome. You know, it's a very, very likable team. And like I said, it validated the Rangers season to me. Once the Rangers beat the Penguins, I think a lot of us, not that you like would accept a loss in the next round or like, oh, well, it doesn't matter what happens after this. But I think a lot of us were just at peace with the fact that the Rangers surprised everybody, first of all, by making the playoffs. And secondly, by beating the hated Pittsburgh Penguins. And thirdly, by coming back from three games to one. A lot of us were hearing a lot of BS from Penguin fans. Uh, you know, after this series went three to one on Twitter or whatever it might be, you would think they would have learned their lesson by now. You know, after they blew a three to one series lead against the Rangers back in 2014, you'd think that might calm them down a little bit, make them a little bit more humble. You think they would learn their lesson? They did not. Uh, they were hearing or they were letting us hear it uh, when they went up three to one, and then against all odds, the Rangers, you know, come back and they win the series. And what makes it even more dramatic, you know, the comebacks, the comebacks in uh, Game Five. Down by two goals, came back and won that one. The comeback in game six, down by two goals, came back and won that one. And then in game seven, you know, Mika Zibanejad had to tie the game with about 5.45 remaining. You're in overtime, just intensity off the charts. And Panarin scores and gives the Rangers the win and pushes them into the second round of the playoffs. I, like I said, I was really torn between putting this at number two or number three. It's kind of, uh, you know, a deadlock with Derek Stepan, the overtime goal that he had in 2015. And one thing that Stepan has working in his favor is that that was the second round of the playoffs. This was just the first round of the playoffs. But again, I just, I got to put this at number two. I think it was that dramatic and uh, that enjoyable and uh, obviously led to big things. They went on and beat the Carolina Hurricanes and went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Lightning in the conference final as well. And uh, you just hope that this carries over and this is just the start of great, great things to come for the New York Rangers. We'll see how the rest of this uh, offseason shakes out here. Obviously, there's a lot of different ways that this whole thing could go, but uh, very, very encouraging season, you know, obviously set up for the future, and you hope that the Rangers are now bonafide Stanley Cup contenders for at least a few more seasons here, and just a very, very dramatic moment and unbelievably uh, gratifying, satisfying victory, all as the result of Artemi Panarin coming through in the clutch for the New York Rangers in Game 7 in overtime against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, like I said, in tomorrow's episode, I think we're going to do a little bit more draft talk, uh, but that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast.